Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the PaleoMom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. Hello, Sarah. Hello, 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 Governor. I don't know why I decided to do that. It's something, <laughs> it's it's something new just, that no one has experienced I yet. just offended all of our British listeners all at once. <laughs> I mean, maybe two weren't offended. Maybe they found maybe, it to be funny. Maybe there's two who were like, yeah, that's a really horrible, stereotypical uh, Mary Poppins accent right there. That's what it was. It was totally Mary Poppins. You said governor. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, speaking of accents, I've been rewatching all the Harry Potter movies, and my six-year-old has been walking around the house um, with his wand that he got at Universal, um, saying all kinds of, like, curses and spells at us. It's pretty awesome. I have like you mean, no you mean other relevant no other relevancy like, here other than an accent reminded me of You mean like Harry Potter curses, not like swear word curses. Right. Although he does use swear word <laughs> curses, but not at us. That's just like a you know, a little kid testing the boundaries of life. <laughs> um and while I'm completely off on a tangent, I also wanted to say, I don't know if you got a lot of feedback and comments, but I've been getting a lot of feedback and comments and emails about our last show, The Skin Show. People said that they were like loving the material that we were providing and have been asking me a whole lot of questions. Um, I actually posted a video and I'm doing like a full review and I'm actually offering a sale to our listeners and my readers to sample and try out some of the products because I know that they aren't cheap, um, but they are super high quality. So for those people who reached out, asked questions, I've been trying to get to them all. You can always email me through the contact form on the blog. Sarah, I'm sure, is willing to answer questions that you <laughs> you were going to throw in her way. Um, I get this. I get it's like almost like pe- the questions like divide, right? And you get the like practical and I get the like geeky, troubleshooting, sciencey stuff. That's that's how we roll. Yeah. We're yin and yang. That's yeah. Totally well, true. I must have gotten them then because I've been getting a ton and um, I'm happy to answer them. I've been all. getting a ton and they've been like supplement based and nutrients <laughs> and diets and leaky gut and like, yeah, I'm not getting a can I try that mascara question. Yep. I'm getting. <laughs> Yeah, mine is like, how? What do you use to remove mascara? Question, and the answer is an oil. <laughs> so. Any kind of fat. Um, I personally use coconut oil. This is a total tangent. Yep. Um, I 
Liz Wolf mentioned that she uses tallow, though, and I've been wondering about thinking about trying that to see if it works even better. I actually switched. I used to use coconut oil, and I've been using the um, soothing baby oil from Beauty Counter because I'm obsessed with all their products lately, and um, I really like it. I like that it's not food. It's just a thing. <laughs> and um, I actually got it for Finn. Um, he, I've talked about our skin sensitivities till I'm blue in the face. He gets that thing, that ring around the lips. I'm sorry, I keep touching the mic when I'm touching my mouth because I'm using hand motions because I'm a crazy person when I talk. Um, he gets that like dry skin That's ring super around chapped. his mouth. Like yeah. I'm sucking on my lips and I my, yep. my lips are chapped all the way up to my nose and down my chin. Yeah, yeah, he gets that sometimes. And it's like a snowball. Like once you get it, then you keep looking uh, and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And um, we used to use the beauty balm on it. And that's funky and gross. And he didn't like it, but it, you know, was something. Um, and so I got him the baby oil to try. And Liz mentioned to me that the baby oil takes off the mascara really well. And so then Finn was like, hey, you stole my baby oil. <laughs> he like literally came down to my bathroom and yelled at me. <laughs> he was like, you nice. told me this was mine. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so anyway, yes. Sorry, we can share. Major tangent there. But I did just want to tell people that if they're interested in trying it out, that I do have like an offer a sale situation going on, including offering a signed copy of Real Life Paleo, um, samples, all kinds of stuff. If it's something that you're into, go check it out. Dude, I'm assuming there will be like some kind of link in the show notes or something. I would assume that somebody somewhere is going to take care of that because it's probably not going to happen. Yep. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about before we actually talk about our show um, is something that I am super focused on right now. So I'm in full book writing mode. Um, and the kids went back to school like six weeks ago now, which is crazy. I know yours just went back. Mine have been back since August 1st. Um, but I got this like really bad cold a couple of weeks ago. And I'm, I don't know if you can hear it. Like I'm still dealing with that just the, like, I feel okay, but it's, like, just the lingering stuff. Uh, so it's just enough to be kind of annoying. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sleeping fine. I'm not uncomfortable. But I I kind of realized this is what happens when I get in full book writing mode is I don't want to stop working. And you combined with, like, suddenly having to go back to 6 a.m. mornings with the kids to get them off to school, and I wasn't getting enough sleep. So I've decided, you know, I was like, you know, someone, someone I know really well wrote this great online sleep program with a 14-day sleep challenge in it. Uh, who was that? Who was that? Maybe I should do that challenge. So, um, you know, I've, I've done the go to bed 14 day challenge before, but it's been a few months and I've decided it's, it's time to re-up. So I'm joined the September group challenge, which is fun because I think every, uh, I think every other time I've done it, I've sort of done it um, like just on my own. Like I just need, sometimes I just need a reset. And, um, and so this time I'm, I'm resetting with the group and it is a so effective. Um, it's, it's amazing to me how I can let, one or two of the steps slide and I don't really think about how it's affecting my sleep. I think it's fine. And then as soon as I put them all back together again, I'm like, Oh, right. Really high quality sleep. Like it really is 
a huge promoter of, of quality sleep to, to do all the steps in the challenge. And, um, and I'm only, um, you know, when we're recording this, I'm only a few days into it. I'm already like, ah, this is fantastic. So, um, so I just kind of wanted to, you know, share that I'm sitting here wearing my super dorky amber tinted glasses and in my pajamas already so I can hightail it to bed <laughs> once we get, uh, get off recording. Um, but it, it really sort of, for me, it's, it's a reminder of why I was so passionate about this topic in the first place. And in part, because it's so personal for me, sleep really is my linchpin. And when I'm sleeping well, everything else is easy. And when I'm not sleeping well, everything else is super, super hard. And, um, and I tend to fall apart really quickly when I'm not sleeping well. Um, but it's such a common story, right? There's so many people out there who um, sort of are walking around sleep deprived um, and and maybe don't even realize it and don't realize how big a difference a few small changes to prioritize sleep can make. So, um I'm just in that, like, you know, I'm doing it, so it's really on my mind, and I'm, like, wearing my super dorky podcast headset with my super dorky amber glasses and my pajamas. <laughs> so I, I, I'm i feeling it right now, physically, because I'm super dorked up slash comfy. And uh, so I just kind of wanted to be like, hey, listeners, if you haven't done the go-to-bed challenge yet, I really like it. Maybe we should jump into a show so we can get you to bed soon. I guess that's what we should do. I'm really jealous of your tea, though. It's herbal. I know. I usually, always drink tea when I record. Did you not I know, know you, No, no, no. I know that you know that. And usually I do, too. And I got home late from work because it's the end of the fiscal year and kind of just, like, touched the boys with this, like, super fast hug and ran downstairs. And so now <laughs> I'm like, <gasps> tea. <laughs> it probably i bet your phone's beside you you can text text matt you know you know that i'm already having it in my hand to do that <laughs> I'm I mean, such I'm a just terrible saying, wife i love i you, may honey. i may or may not do that to david when we're recording and text him and be like hey i need a refill on my water or whatever it is yeah um uh, also husband. i would be remiss to mention that i am officially mid-30s now <laughs> happy birthday Thanks. The mid thirties are, are were they were amazing. I miss them. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I had a really fantastic birthday and I've shared it all on social media and I'll do like a weekend recap blog post. But um we saw Adele and we went to Philadelphia and I took Matt to Morimoto's and relived the meal saw that you that. and I ate. Um it was completely different dishes than we had, obviously, because they do like that different experience each time. And it was just as amazing. And Matt was like food gasming the entire time. And he yes. was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you brought me here. I'm like, I know it wasn't fair that like I lived all these things and you weren't there with me. And now we've shared it. That was like our, was that our, it was one of our first cities. Yeah. 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 It was, and it was, yeah, it, that was, I remember that. That was amazing. Um, I'm, I'm glad you finally got to bring him. Cause he was the one who I think even, like got our reservations for us. Oh yeah. He? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So he had like done that work for us <laughs> and then you didn't get to go. So 
X years later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I promised him that eventually I would relive all the things that I did with you. And uh, one <laughs> across top one the down. list. One down. Top of the Empire State Building is next. No, we've done that already. I did that with him right. before I did it with you. Oh, well, I'll see. Okay. At least there's a couple of things you got yeah. to do with Matt before me. Um, okay, complete sidebar again. You know, one of my favorite moments on our book tour was when we got in the taxi cab to go to the Empire State Building and Welcome to New York was playing in the backseat of the cab. Like, that's <laughs> such a vivid memory for me. Do you remember? Yes. It was so crazy. And then there was like, I don't even know what was on that TV screen. I was like, I was like, why is there a TV? In why the is cab? there a TV in here? I want to look out and see was... this city that is completely iconic. Yeah. And there's this like flashing, flashing TV screen at me that I'm trying to ignore. I'm sorry. I put you on another tangent and you need to go to bed. So what are we, what are we talking about? You know, we have this great question from our Ask Me Anything episode that we didn't get a chance to do. And I actually felt like there's so many different talking points around this question that we should dedicate an entire show to it. Because I think it's a very quintessential experience for those of us with really overt food sensitivities and whether, you know, whether we're paleo or AIP or gluten-free or whatever shade in there that we are, um, eating in restaurants can be a huge challenge. And when it doesn't pan out the way we had hoped it was going to, that's like a whole separate huge challenge. So why don't I read this question from Hope and then Um, We can dive into, I think, some of the various aspects of it. So Hope asked, there are times when I choose to or have to eat out and I've got food allergies. And despite being very careful with what I order and informing the server and kitchen staff, something goes wrong in my digestive system, and I know it within minutes. What can I take or do to lessen the negative effects and start getting my system calmed down and back on track? I know there isn't a magic bullet, so to speak, just hoping for some advice on some things to do or try. First and foremost, I do want to offer some hope to hope. (laughs) Because um, five, six years ago, if I got exposed, um, I had like debilitating reaction to food that I would accidentally um, or make a bad life choice (laughs) to consume in the beginning. And um, I can honestly say that my exposure in the last like 12 months I like found out later that there was gluten in something that I ate. There was like soy sauce and something and had absolutely no awareness or reaction to it. So that's not to say that it's a magic bullet and that everybody will get where I am. But I will say that with all the stuff that I'm sure we're going to talk about and explain, I do just want to say that there there is hope that with healing your gut and working on lifestyle factors and all these kinds of things that a lot of people do experience lessened reactions and um, I liken it to this speech that Chris Kresser gave at one of the earlier Paleo FXs where he talked about a bell curve with the healing process and how when you're really inflamed, you don't realize all the things that are causing you problems because everything is problematic and inflamed and so nothing really like triggers big spikes. And then you clean your system out and it goes into this bell curve where you know your body's healing and all of the inflammation 
focus is on healing your gut and then something is introduced to your system and it's like a huge spike or a huge problem way worse than you would have thought and then where you want to get to with like healed gut and health is back to that other side of the bell curve where when you eat something you really shouldn't have that kind of reaction once you're healed and that's not to say especially people with severe food allergies and medical conditions can all get there but I myself, I have multiple autoimmune conditions and I have found that um, I don't experience that negativity the same anymore. Um, Yeah, I would say that some things have improved for me and some things haven't. And I think there's a difference in terms of um, exactly what the driver of the reaction is. So um, one of the things that happens with food intolerances. So it's an immune reaction, but not an allergy. So it's driven by IgG, IgA, IgD, or IgM antibodies. Um, And one of the things that happens with that is the um, memory for those food antigens does not, um, it's not as long lived as the memory is for an allergy. And it's not as long lived as the memory is for something like a flu virus. So um, as if you're not exposed to the that food, um, eventually that part of that those cells that are having, you know, that recognize that food as being a problem, they're going to die off, the reaction is going to decrease. And eventually the memory for it will go away as well. So it's, it's a relatively common experience for people to um, eliminate a food that they have an immune intolerance to. And then over a period of, I would say six months is a minimum, um, but for many people it can take a couple of years. Eventually they can consume that food and they don't have any kind of immune reaction to it. And it, that takes a fair amount of healing in terms of, you know, regulating the immune system as well, gut, you know, gut health and, and, hormone health and all of those things sort of feed into that system as well. Um, the, the memory for allergies is much longer. So people can, um, you know, avoid a food they're allergic to and eventually be able to eat it again. But the, the memory is much longer and, and you have to, the exposure amount in order to trigger reaction is much lower typically for allergies. They're much ha- faster to ramp up. And then there's other ways that we can react to food that has nothing to do with um, antibody production. And, you know, for example, we might be reacting to a food because we have a, um, you know, gut dysbiosis issue and there's there's some kind of bacteria-mediated reaction, or we might have, um, you know, a gut lining health, gut barrier health issue, and we're reacting to that food because our gut barrier health is not good. And once we can deal with those underlying issues and we can, you know, have healthy cells that line our gut so that they're actually processing chemicals properly and forming a a proper barrier. We have the right types of bacteria. So we're not processing, you know, components and foods into inflammatory things like histamine, for example. Once we can, you know, regulate those things and heal those things, then those reactions also can just completely disappear. So there's, there's, a lot of types of reactions that can go away with uh, abstinence plus healing. Um, but there are some that can persist and the memory for some types of food intolerances can persist. So um, for example, I still have pretty major reactions to um, gluten, dairy, and soy 
and eggs. And, um, and I haven't had the, but I have had some potatoes and I haven't had other kinds of nightshades. Um, but I've had some potatoes and my reactions have been varied. So sometimes I've had potatoes and I've had no reaction. Sometimes I've had potatoes and had a very, very mild reaction. Whereas it used to be the first time I tried potatoes, I had a really severe reaction. So, um, you know, there's certain things that, you know, I've been able to add back into my diet that, you know, I love coffee. The first time I tried reintroducing coffee, it did not go very well for me. Um, and I ended up having to give up coffee again for, you know, six more months. And then I reintroduced coffee again and it went much better. So um, I think it's always good to sort of understand what our lines are that we can't cross, but always know that they're going to move. And mostly they should become more flexible as we heal. They don't always. Um, and sometimes that's just because we don't understand all of the factors that are going into creating that line, right? There can be genetic factors and infection factors and hormone factors and diet factors and, you know, how well the immune system's running and nutrient sufficiency and stress and sleep and blah, 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 blah. So, um, so sometimes it's sort of hard to, it's hard to put, put together a complete picture of, you know, I tolerate this food when, um, when there's so many different inputs into how we tolerate sort of suboptimal foods. Concur. Okay. So should we tackle some of the more like yeah. basic portions of it? Okay. So one of the things that, um, I don't think I've ever talked about on the show before, and it was one of the reasons why I wanted, um, to answer this question was there's a relatively new supplement and it, it's, um, I think, white labeled under a com- couple of different names. Um, I've bought it under the name Glutenza. And it's um, a probiotic, I think, with enzymatic activity that digests um, the major proteins and all of the top eight allergens. Um, but it was developed for celiacs uh, to digest gluten for them. And then they sort of found out that, oh, it's really good at digesting dairy and it's pretty good at digesting eggs and it's pretty good at even digesting like fish and nuts. And it, um, basically renders the proteins, uh, neutral. And so it digests something like 99% of the gluten in a meal within an hour. Now, if you're celiac, that 1% can be a problem. So it's, not maybe a good idea to take a few glutenza and eat a baguette. But um, it was sort of developed so that people with celiac disease could go eat in a restaurant and um, not worry about cross-contamination. So when you think about cross-contamination and you're only talking about a you know, very, very small amount of gluten for a celiac, that's still a really big deal. But if you can digest with this supplement, 99% of that very, very small amount of gluten, you might reduce, you know, the number of, of molecules causing a problem to below, you know, a threshold for actually having symptoms. Um, and it's something that I started keeping in my purse probably a year ago, and I've gotten in the habit of taking it every meal when I travel and every time I eat in a restaurant. And um, I have intentionally consumed um, dairy and eggs with it. I haven't intentionally consumed gluten because I'm just not that cavalier. But I've intentionally consumed um, uh, products with, with dairy and eggs in it that I do know that I have pretty obvious reactions to and had no reaction um, and have not had any 
um, of my typical, typically if I get exposed to gluten, um, I, I start throwing up. So I haven't had that, even though I don't, I mean, I can't say for certain whether I've actually been exposed to gluten over that time. Um, but over that time, I, I haven't had any reaction it, if I have, does that, if that makes sense. Um, and so it's a supplement that um, I think is, a, is really cool. I, I think it's a really neat safety net to add on top of the conversation with the server, the conversation with the kitchen staff, the calling the head, the searching the interwebs for the safe restaurants and all of that other stuff that we have talked about on the show before. Um, so it's called Glutenza. Um, and there's a few other, um, there's a few other, you know, labeled supplements that are the same, the same thing. Um, and, uh, it, I was actually turned on to it. Dr. Tom O'Brien was, um, consulted on on the development of it and he's super passionate about it and i think you know because his whole mission was to be able to make it so that um people with celiac disease could have the normalcy of eating in a restaurant um and so i think that's a really cool cool um sort of extra extra layer of support um to help prevent reactions. And I, I don't know if it's bulletproof, right? 99% still leaves 1% digested, um, which is why I would not be going to have lunch at a bakery with it. Um, but I think, I think it's a really, really cool thing. And, and I certainly, you know, I was really impressed when I, I, I was being quite, <laughs> quite, uh, quite the risk taker when I ate, you know, a, a baked good with with butter in it that would normally give me a migraine within 10 minutes. And I was like, I'm just going to take four of these glutenza right now and hope that that helps me out. And it completely did. I had absolutely no reaction whatsoever. Well, that's awesome to know about. I'm wondering for someone like my mom who is anaphylactic, if something like that would also be helpful um, to like take before a meal as to avoid um, <laughs> yeah, so the, pen reaction. the idea is that you're supposed, uh, ideally you would take it immediately before eating. Um, although I think on the label, it says you can take it anytime during the meal. Um, you know, with anaphylaxis, a very, very, very small amount can trigger that reaction and it is an IgE reaction. So it's different than what's happening with in celiac. So I, I don't know whether or not it would be sufficient to prevent that reaction. Um, you know, I, th- I would think that at the very least it would, because it would be digesting the gluten, it would minim. It, I think it would, re- it has the possibility to reduce how dramatic that reaction is. How, um, how quickly does your mom have a reaction after consuming? Um, so it seems from the three times that it's happened to her, that it's like large quantities so it takes a while for it to hit her because she'll have to have eaten like half a bag of pork rinds that were cooked in a Funyuns fryer and not labeled accordingly. Um, you know what I mean? So if there's a delay, that would mean yeah, that's what I'm have thinking. More time to work. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. So I mean, I, I just, just let your mom try it. Just no, see what well, right? like I don't want to get into the politicals oh, no. of the medical system, but like with EpiPens being really expensive um it's not like she wants to 
Like, I'm just going to eat this and then shoot myself up with my EpiPen if it goes wrong. Because it's $700. So it's kind of a big deal. Anyway. Well, and um, like an EpiPen doesn't mean that you automatically feel amazing after a reaction. (laughs) It's not like like you're like, oh, yeah, now that never happened. Um, She she hasn't had a reaction in a few years because when she realized what was happening, she became a lot um, better about asking um, a lot of the things that we need to kind of address with hope, right? Like, I think it's interesting. She says, you know, that she always informs the server and the kitchen staff and something will go wrong and her digestive system knows within minutes. I mean, um, so my, my mom learned really how to take it seriously and places to eat and what completely to avoid and, and that kind of stuff. And, and has since not that I'm, uh, aware of had a problem in a few years. So hopefully that stays that way. But anyway, um, for hope, I think, you know, for me, I want to tackle it with the other thing that could be happening from a digestive perspective, which is that, you know, if your digestive tract is not strong and healthy and that's not just, um, like leaky gut and inflammation that could be like lack of stomach acid. Um, it's very common in people, especially like if you were recently eating a standard American diet, or if you've ever been on antacids and stuff like that, like your digestive system, um, is not optimized. And that means that if you're eating foods that you normally wouldn't eat and they're cooked in fats that you normally wouldn't consume, or they're touching, um, grills and pans that, you know, were previously cooking food that you wouldn't normally eat, um, your stomach can have reactions to those. And as someone who has had that experience, we've talked about before, <laughs> like I've frequently had everybody out moments when I ate out. That was like a, not very common when I'm eating my home foods uh, previously, but it would happen very frequently when I would eat out. And after a while, I realized that that was because when I was eating out, that's when I would get like fried foods, fried in canola oil and um, that kind of stuff. And that's what was causing serious digestive problems. So um, there are some things that you can do to help strengthen your stomach acid. They really helped me. Um, it also is very common for people who were previously vegan or vegetarian because your stomach acid got weaker from not having to break down that protein for so long, and so you got to build it back up. Um, you can add um, apple cider vinegar and I think even lemon, uh, yep. so, like citrus, will do the trick um, just to help the the pH balance. So every time you go to drink water, put apple cider vinegar or like lemon juice in it. Um, for me, I also stopped drinking fluids when I ate because I didn't want to wash away the little bit of stomach acid that I did have. So I made sure that um, I hadn't just had like a big glass of water. Um, I made sure that I chewed really, really thoroughly. I chewed a lot because the chewing is actually like the trigger for your digestive process. So if you're like half chewing and then taking a gulp of water and swallowing it down, which you might not realize you're doing, but I was doing, um, you're not fully activating the chewing and the digestive process. And then you're washing away the stomach acid with whatever you're drinking during your meal. Um, And last but not least is taking some digestive enzymes. So for me, that was um, HCL and oxbile for some time, I think like maybe 18 months I took them. Um, And it was really beneficial to me. Um, 
And what I ended up doing is kind of the last six months, I would just take them when I was eating more problematic meals that I knew would be triggers to kind of be a supplement, like a, you know, an additive for those meals. And just over time, I ended up helping my digestive system become stronger. So now I rarely have those um, reactions when I eat out. Um, I laid down some science almost right there. That was pretty amazing. Um, I, there's sort of two things that I feel like we should probably touch on. And one is, um, that I think you are actually more experienced at than I am is the list of questions to ask a server or a kitchen staff in order to, um, protect ourselves. And then I think the, the other aspect is the, okay, so like when all of this preventative stuff, that's mostly what we've talked about so far goes wrong or is not enough, doesn't work. Um, what do we do to heal? So why don't we, why don't, can you start with, um, like, like still in the prevention range? Um, what, what is, what are the questions to ask? All right. So first things first, let's be real. You need to do your research before you go someplace. Don't, Go to some podunk diner and like expect them to know left from right uh, because they will contaminate your salad. Like I'm just, you just need to know where you're going and what your options are. Um, the best sources for doing that, in my opinion, are Yelp. You can do a gluten-free filter on Yelp. Um, even if you need more than gluten-free, that's the tag that will tell you that restaurants are allergen-friendly. Um the other thing uh, to look for is I think it's called like Find Me Gluten Free. I mean, if you just do like a, a Google search for, I have I have the Find Me Gluten Free app on. My okay, phone. I think that's what it was called. Yeah, you can you can just Google it. There's also an app, um, and that will tell you the gluten free friendly restaurants, and you can rate them by like what you're interested in by zip code. Like turn your phone on and by location or your computer by location, it will tell you the allergen friendly restaurants around. Um, I think that's like step number one is you can't ask questions to someone who doesn't know the answer. So make sure that you're going somewhere that is going to be able to understand what you're asking and be responsive to it. And you'd be surprised. Some of the um, restaurants that I would think would be the most problematic, and I'll give an example for a chain restaurant that a lot of people can identify with is Maggiano's. Um, my dad loves to go there. <laughs> he loves Machianos. He collects the coupons. And my dad and I try to go to lunch together once a month. And so we quite frequently go to Maggiano's. And the first time I was like, dad, it's an Italian restaurant. Like I can't eat anything here. Everything is gluten and tomato and cheese. Like I can't, I can't do it. And he was like, well, I'm sure they have a salad. I have a coupon. Let's just go. And turns out that the minute I said that I had some food intolerances to the waiter, the waiter says, oh, no problem. Let me go get the chef for you. And the chef came out and the chef could tell me every single thing that he could do. And he custom made a meal for me. And it was amazing. My dad was jealous. And the next time we went to Maggiano's, my dad said, I'll have what she's having. Um, so it don't like have preconceived notions. What I did is I read online that they were, you know, food allergy friendly. And I told myself, well, at the, at the worst, I can order a salad, balsamic and oil and just, you know, have a salad and eat like an epic bar later or something. Um, but that's tip, tip number one. Uh, tip number two is knowing 
what to ask and making sure that you're talking to an educated person. So um, like in the instance of the person that I told you, this waiter, a lot of restaurants are trained to get either the manager or the chef to come talk to you. Don't be embarrassed. Like that's that's the number one thing is I hear from a lot of people like, well, I don't want to make a big deal out of it. And, and so I just guess. The thing is like you're paying for a meal and they want you to be happy because they want you to come back. And that restaurant wouldn't send over the manager or the chef if they didn't want to help you. So don't feel bad. Don't feel embarrassed. You know, come up with some sort of like self-deprecating funny joke that you can tell your friends in anticipation that it's going to happen and then just roll with it. And I, I, Sarah, you've, you've been with me. What do I always say when I, when we start being high maintenance, like the first thing out of my mouth We're high maintenance, but we tip really well. Every single time. Like that's my line. And I tell everybody because it's like, it, it breaks the ice. It's a little bit funny. Like they know that we know that we're being difficult and we're telling them like, we're not going to stiff you. Like we're not going to be really high maintenance. And then, um, you're going to have spent all this time on us and not get a tip. So that's what I've come up with. You're, you're welcome to steal it. Um, but just come up with something that, um, you feel like makes you feel comfortable with the people that you're with. Um, then when you are talking to the waiter, waiter, waitress, like the, or manager or chef, whoever you're talking to, make sure that you're really clear and thorough about what it is that you're looking for. So if you really are looking for like a clean AIP food, instead of going into the long list of things that you can't have, it might be easier just to say like, I need really plain food. Would it be possible to get like boiled chicken or a poached egg? I uh, know you can't have egg on AIP. Um, anyway, like, I like point. the plain burger patty. Yeah, the plain burger really patty. Really easy to get. Um, and can I get that on like you know a bed of plain lettuce? What kind of vegetables could I add to that? Like, don't say can I have a salad because they're going to put tomatoes on it. You know, figure out a way to like ask and then kind of lead lead into what you're looking for. If you have extremely strict food allergies and sensitivities and you're not at a super high end restaurant who's willing to make you certain foods, that's the best approach in my opinion. Um, that's like a super rare occasion and those people, you call them ahead of time and you tell them that you're coming and then they prepare for it. For me, when I go out to a restaurant, I choose the things that are really triggers for me and I say, I can't have these. There are other things that Sarah and I talk about all the time, kind of like gray area foods that aren't really like bad problems for me, but I don't eat them very often. And so like dairy is something like that. When we go into a restaurant, I don't say that I need it to be dairy free because I'm not super sensitive to dairy anymore. I am super sensitive to nightshades. I am super sensitive to corn and I cannot have gluten. So when they ask me like, well, what can you have? I say, I just want to avoid pastas entirely because most of them are corn based and I can't have corn. And immediately they're like, okay. And then I don't get like some gluten-free version of a meal, right? Like then I'm like, okay, I'm about to get vegetables and meat. Um, so then, um, I just let them kind of offer to me what the available, available options are. And, um, almost everywhere I've gone, chefs and waiters are kind of excited actually to try something new. It's like they have the option, they have like this, you know, custom meal that they get to make for you. And, um, it's very rare that I deal with someone who's like frustrated or rude about it. And in that, and in that case, like, Sometimes I'm just like, I'm not, I don't want to eat here. You know, like if you get a weird vibe before you've even ordered and you feel like it's shady and you can't trust it, like don't eat there. Like just make a call, make a judgment call and just, 
you know what? I changed my mind and, and walk next door. I heard you uh, say, yeah. Do you have yeah. Something? I said, no, I was like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> was, it wasn't just like, yeah. It was like, yeah. 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 Got it. So I'll just, I know you have a bedtime tonight, but I do want to tell a story of something that happened to Matt and I on our weekend in Philly. Um, we went to a restaurant. We did exactly what I just said. We looked online for places that had recommendations for gluten-free food. We went to a restaurant. We ordered burgers. They had gluten-free buns. The burgers came out and it was after the Adele concert. I may have had a hard cider. <laughs> I may have been like making out with the burger juice that was dripping down my arm. And I looked at Matt and I was like, this is too good. Like it's mm. like, it's too good. There's something wrong. And I said, I don't think this bun is gluten-free. And we both immediately put down the burgers and we waited for the waiter to walk over. And we said, you know, like, are you sure that this is the gluten-free bun? And I could tell that he was irritated with me because he felt like I was questioning his ability to do his job. So I phrased it differently. And I said, these burgers are so amazingly good. I'm having a hard time believing that they could possibly be gluten-free. Like, are you sure that these are gluten-free? And then he kind of laughed and said, yeah, this bun is definitely the gluten-free bun. And he pointed to the table across from ours and he was like, that's the regular bun. And I'm like, how do you get this to taste so good? Turns out they like slather it in butter and put it on the hot grill pan and it got it like warm. You know how gluten-free bed is way better when it's warm? So it was like still warm when we got it on our burger and it didn't taste like gluten-free at all. But that's that's how I handled that situation. And if it had been gluten, like then we can talk about what I would have done to heal myself. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. You see that segue? <sighs> Four years, I'm getting kind of good at it. <laughs> uh, I, you were always a segue master. Come on. All right. All right. Um, so recovery, a few really important things. Um, one is rest. So sleep as much as you can, because the when you're eating something that you have an overt sensitivity to, it is actually damaging tissue. It's actually ramping up the immune system. And, and those are things that need sleep and time to heal. So making sure that you're, you've really got sleep way, way, way high up on the priority list and sleep like as if you had the flu, like really just, you know, that's number one. Uh, fluids, um, like, you know, that, that uh, right? Sleep and hydration, again, like like you would have the flu. So um, really to help flush your system out um, is, is really, really helpful. Um, and then nutrient density. So give your, your body the resources it needs to get back on track. So, you know, when I think of nutrient density from healing from exposure, I think about organ meat, I think about vegetables, I think about broth, um, I think about seafood, um, and I think about I said vegetables already. I'm going to say vegetables again because I really mean lots of vegetables. Um, sometimes when, especially when we have, as Stacy says, everybody out moments. Um, <laughs> you told me you like that description. I'm sticking with it. I do. Um, but, you know, especially that type of reaction, um, we actually end up sort of flushing out a lot of good bacteria. So um, building up those guys again takes vegetables. Um, if they're not digesting well, they can be cooked or they can be in smoothie form, um, are both ways of often getting around the, the, uh, 
these don't make me feel good when I eat them problem. Um, or, you know, cut back on the amount and add them, you know, ramp it up slowly. Because when you don't have the bacteria around to help you digest that, then that's when digestive symptoms can happen. So, um, you know, really working on, you know, and time. So rest, lots of fluids, nutrient density, um, and clearly spending some time super, super clean and not re-exposing. So, you know, um, the, the last thing, the last thing any of us want when we're in that, like, oh man, there was something at that restaurant that didn't work out for me is, is to go back out and do it all over again. I, I do those things. I find as always that collagen and broth, mm-hmm. um, are the best solution for me. Um, some of the foods that my body craves when I've had everybody out moments, um, we've talked about it before. Um, I really like rice cooked in broth and butter. I think it like, I don't know, it does something to my intestines. And if you don't normally eat rice, then don't do it. But for me, it's like, um, I think my body is able to absorb it, um, in a different way than when I'm just drinking the broth. Um, and we, we've talked about like that, the paleo version of the Bratz diet. I totally mm-hmm. forget what we came up with, but it was like bananas. I think we said rice because you can cook it in broth. Um, I have a blog post called the paleo brat diet. There you go. See, I knew we I should, was going somewhere. We could link to in the, um, in, in the, the show notes. Um, so basically it's like soups and stews, coconut water, um, bone broth, applesauce is still a good idea. Bananas are still a good idea. So I think that makes it the, uh, scab diet. Which is also pretty amazing. <laughs> scab diet. Not right? just for scabs. <laughs> no, it's got an extra B on it because there's broth and bananas. There you go. Um, I think we've answered all of Hope's questions. Hope so. Um, you know, I, I think that um, any sort of resources that are specific to leaky gut can be helpful or addressing gut dysbiosis, but generally when it's something acute like this, it's, you know, the squeaky clean that we always, you know, feel like we should do all the time, but none of us actually do and sleep and fluids and then take all the list of preventative stuff and try and add to that for next time. So, you know, we always hope every time, every time those things go wrong, we always hope it's the last time because it's usually pretty miserable. Last time I got glutened, man, it was awful. It's a bad time. I just get like depression now. I don't even get any of the digestive distress anymore. So it takes me a while to figure out what's happened because I'll just be like whiny and miserable and mean. And I'm like extremely like acutely. I don't want to get out of bed. My life is falling apart. Nasty. I have so many snide remarks in my head right I'm now. I'm sure not you going to say any of them though. But it just goes to show like the variety of reactions that you can have. Like you said, migraine. Um, well, I get a migraine from dairy. I throw up from gluten. I get joint inflammation from nightshades and I get acne from eggs. See, and now I'm telling you to add to that list, which are all things that happen to me from various foods as well. Um, corn, 
not on your list being near death inflammation. Um, for me, there's but also and NDI. Near death inflammation. Near death inflammation. Yeah. There's also um, yeast infection and depression. Those are other symptoms that mm. I can get from other foods. So you never know what you're going to get and everybody's body reacts differently. So just pay attention. And when things don't feel right, like we've talked before about food journaling and stuff like that, just try to really keep your mind open to what you've been eating and, and see if you can correlate something. So, so much of this is really the, the self-discovery journey aspect of everything and really understanding our own bodies. Um, and then that's annoying because it, it, it takes the best of us take, it still takes time, right? Like, even if things are, are falling into place really quickly, it, it's still, there's a minimum amount of time in order to really understand all of our lines. But um, it's definitely worth it because we get to look at the rest of our lives with that knowledge now of what our bodies need. And that's that's why we do it. Cool. Well, I hope that we've given hope. Hope? Huh. Ha. Ha. You've been working on that one for the last 20 minutes. No, not really. (laughs) But also to all of you, and if you were wondering, yes, we eat out more than we should. Uh, yes, but it's well-earned knowledge then to, to yeah. share. Right? And we do have we do have a series on our blog called Dining Paleo in D.C. because we really enjoy exploring our city of culture and finding good foods and stuff like that. So um, I am going to go drink this tea that Matt just delivered to me. And I'm going to go to bed. And thank you all for tuning in. Just as a reminder, if you have not yet... Um, left a review or it's been a while or maybe you want to tell a friend about how awesome the paleo view is we love that totally thank you for listening to the paleo view if you enjoyed the show please take a moment to rate us on itunes you can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through paypal I'm ready. You ready? Not really, but let's do it anyways. All right, I'm going to save all my yards for being off air. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.